Welcome to Focused on Forward. The purpose of this podcast is to focus on recovery from life situations, be it a disease, chronic or acute, perhaps the loss of someone so dear to you in death, or a change of life patterns that has affected you so profoundly that you have no choice but to find your new normal and become focused on moving forward. Each episode is designed to show the positivity that people bring to each and every one of their stories, the successes they've had, ways that they have become so definitively focused on moving forward. We look forward to sharing their stories, and we hope that they inspire you just as much as they have inspired us. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to Focused on Forward. Today, we'll be speaking with Simone Denis. Simone is a, uh, a hockey player that I've known for some time. He went to the university where my wife works. And uh, as a, uh, in my opinion, as an un, unprofessional hockey analysis, is that uh, he's a quality defenseman. So anyway, uh, we're looking forward to hearing Simone's story. He's got a, a pretty challenging story of, of uh, injury and overcoming that and how it affected him. So Simone, whenever you're ready, please take the floor and we're excited to hear your story. Sounds good. Thanks, Tim. It's uh, first off, it's an absolute pleasure to be on and uh, I truly appreciate you inviting me onto this to, uh, to allow me to share my story. So hopefully, you know, hopefully it's a, it's a good opportunity for some people to hear it and maybe it'll help someone along the way. So uh, with that being said, yeah, it, uh, so for me, uh, as Tim mentioned, I, I played uh, hockey at Fair State University in Big Rapids, Michigan. Uh, it was a Division I NCAA hockey program, and I arrived in the fall of 2011 was my first year, um, and we had tremendous success uh, actually going to you know, the school's first ever Frozen Four, uh, and then we were the first ever time for a Fair's team to actually make the national championship. Unfortunately, we did uh, come up short in the national championship game, but an incredible experience, an incredible thing for our school at the time. Um, and the following season, we had a little bit less success, but uh, going into the 2013-14 season, uh, we had really high hopes. Uh, we had just entered a brand new conference at the time, which was called the WCHA. Um, really good team coming into the season and very high expectations and uh, that's kind of for me where the season ended and it was something that I you know I never could have imagined in my life going through uh, what had happened was it was our fifth game of the season we were on the road in Huntsville Alabama playing against uh, the University of Alabama Huntsville um, and it would have been the second period I still remember the puck was dumped into my corner and as I started to skate back for it uh, the four checker was right on me and as I got to about the bottom of the circle, I, I felt a push down uh, on the back of my pants uh, from the four checker. And what happened was that he had pushed down and I'd slipped out and I'd kind of landed in a seated position and his, um, his weight essentially landed right on the back of my head and caused me to fold. And in doing so, uh, caused my entire neck to give out. Uh, so at that time when that happened, um, I remember laying on the ice and just not, not moving is, is really what it was. And I immediately felt the pain in my neck. Um, I had lost some feeling, uh, along the left side of my body, uh, with both, uh, my entire arm and my leg. Um, and I remember just kind of laying there at first, like, yeah, it, it hurts. Like something's wrong for sure. And but you never ever think, you know, to the extreme levels of it. And I remember as our trainer came out on the ice and the guys around me were like, Oh, like, you know, what's wrong? Is it your leg? Is it your back? And I'm like, no, it's my neck. And like, that's when it kind of went into panic mode. And um, from there, I just remember being, um, you know, once I not really knowing, I guess the severity of it, I had been taken to the locker room and immediately uh, put into a spinal collar. Um, and then, as the ambulance arrived, I immediately was put onto the stretcher and I was, you know, laid back. I did work to take off some of my hockey equipment, um, obviously doing their best not to move any parts of my body as they didn't know the extremity of it. And as we did so, um, 
I remember just kind of sitting there and our trainer, uh, Tim Glover was kind of almost distraught and, you know, doing his best to kind of keep me calm. I felt calm. I felt pain. Uh, but mostly it was because he knew the severity of the injury. Whereas I kind of was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That's so, you know, well, maybe I'll be out a week or two and I'll be okay. Uh, and from there, yeah, the, you know, he, he didn't tell me what was going on. Um, it's not that, uh, obviously he didn't know either, but, uh, he was like, let's just see what the doctors say. And I remember getting to the hospital and as soon as I got there, you know, first time I'd ever been in a neck brace and a spinal collar and kind of like, this is weird. Like, yeah, it's like, Oh, like, you know, get into the hospital, you check in. Oh, does it hurt? Like, yeah, it hurts quite a bit. Okay. Well, we're gonna give you this painkiller, this painkiller. Okay. We got to get you in for, uh, first we're gonna do an x-ray and then we have to do an MRI. Uh, then we got to do a CAT scan of your brain to make sure everything's okay. And that's when I kind of was like, Oh, like, my brain, like, no, I'm, I'm okay. Like I, I feel fine. And, um, you know, once, uh, once we did the first couple of tests, it was a lot of laying in a hospital bed, waiting around. And I think the worst part of it was the fact that I was still in my sweaty, uh, hockey equipment. So that didn't feel great. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it, you know, from there, it basically was waiting around. And finally I had gone to the hospital about probably 9 PM. And I remember it was about 5 AM when uh, a doctor finally came in with some information and it was uh it was kind of the moment I guess where for me where my life changed where the doctor came in was okay yeah you have a you fractured your c5 c6 um vertebrae which is um you know uh, in the upper part of the neck um and they were sitting there and at that time I'd, I'd started to get feeling back in my left hand and my left uh, foot and leg. Uh, so they were kind of sitting there like, basically the issue you're having right now is that you're having um, excessive tissue damage, which is causing some blood to run along uh, in the area. And if it starts to go towards your spine and in the fractured area, uh, we need to go into emergency surgery or you know, you're, you're gonna be paralyzed. And that's when everything kind of hit me and I kind of felt the weight of the world on my shoulders. Like, Oh, like, okay, this is, you know, this is bad. Like this isn't uh this isn't just a little bump or a block shot and you come back out the next shift. This is a like, okay. And immediately I, I didn't really know how to react. And um, I just remember the doctor saying like, yeah, we're, you're going to have to stay here and immediately put me on blood thinners um, everything like that. And, uh, throughout my duration at the hospital, I ended up being there for three days. Um, and fortunately, the blood thinners did cause uh, the bleeding to stop uh, and to not go into my spine. Um, I did leave, obviously, with a, a drastic number of tissue damage and um, obviously my C5, C6 fracture as well. Um, and at that time, we, you know, we were able to get out of the hospital and uh, we were very fortunate that a, um, a Ferris supporter uh, by the name of John Collins, who now has become an incredible friend of mine and someone who is absolutely family and another father figure in my life, uh, was fortunate enough to come check on me in the hospital all the time. His wife as well, who was actually working as one of the nurses, uh, he opened up his home to Tim Glover and I to allow Tim to stay and he took us to lunch and then he took us to the airport once we got out of the hospital. Uh, but that was, you know, that was my first taste of realizing that something was wrong. And, um, and over time it was, you know, it was the hardship of, for me, I've been someone who's played hockey since I was four years old and it's the only thing I guess that I, I had ever known. And, uh, it had led me to opportunities to move around North America. Um, and it led me to getting a scholarship to play a division one sport and, for me, hockey was the only thing I ever knew. And in that moment, you know, my, my world was kind of shell shocked where I was like, I, I can't play hockey again. I, I, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, and, and I remember getting back to, to Ferris a few like you know, those after I had gotten out of the hospital a couple of days later. And I remember I went to the game that, uh, that following weekend about would have been about 
uh, seven days after I had been injured. Um, and I, cause you know, I, I just wanted to be there with my team and I didn't want to be away from hockey because like I said, it was all that I ever knew. And I remember, uh, getting into the locker room for the first time and our, our team doctor came up and he was, he was teary eyed and he, you know, he, he kind of came up and he gave me a half hug. He didn't want to squeeze me too hard because I was obviously pretty fragile. And, um, and he kind of, I was kind of like, Hey, you know, Dr. Grindel, how you doing? Um, and that's when he kind of looked at me, he goes, you don't like, do you, you know how lucky you are? I go, yeah, you know, it's unfortunate, but no, I, I don't like, he's like, there's, it's a miracle. You're not paralyzed. He's like, I don't, I don't know how you're not. I've seen the imaging, everything. I, I don't understand how you're not paralyzed. And that's, that's truly when I, I realized how drastic this injury really was. Um, and it was, yeah, it was, I mean, it, had to it be was one of those, holy cow. Yeah, it was without a doubt. Um, it was, it was literally one of those moments where I kind of stopped and the world stood still. Um, and it was like, what do you, what do you mean? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm okay. Like I, yeah, I, I, you know, and at the time it was still, it really still hadn't all hit me because, you know, I was just already in a neck brace. It had been a week now of wearing the neck brace and, you know, starting to get used to it, not really sleeping still just because the un uh, uncomfortability of it. And, you know, it was like, yeah, it's, it's another injury. I'll be okay. Um, and once I, once I heard that it was, it was incredibly surreal and it was like, Oh, okay. Like I, this is serious. Like, and I think it was one of those where everyone else knew it but me because I, I was holding out hope that it was just going to be okay. Um, and yeah, it, it wasn't was, as bad. Was, it was, you know, yeah. something you could bounce yeah. back from. You'd been injured before, you know, I, exactly. no, no big deal. Right. And, you know, with athletes, it's always kind of like, you know, you, you play through the pain kind of thing. It's like you're an injury is just a little bump in the road and then you keep playing and everything like that. So to have it kind of be on a bigger scale, was it, it really was surreal yeah so i'm sure at some point in your mind you're like yeah give me a couple weeks we'll be back on the ice no big deal we'll move we'll move along but clearly mm -hmm. this isn't this is not that type of thing and you know in my own personal observation i think for many people um the word paralysis you know or paralyzed when they hear those mm -hmm. words um it, like i said it's it becomes a very surreal situation because you don't really think of that ever applying to you until mm -hmm. it does. And then there's, there's the quick understanding of what those words mean and how it can affect. Yeah. Your life. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and I, you know, after, I guess I kind of, I learned about that. I did some, some research to try to, you know, like why, why would this have paralyzed me? Why would this have harmed me? And as I started to read up, essentially it's your, your C4 um, vertebrae in your spine is basically a guarantee that you will be paralyzed. And, you know, with a human body, that's, you know, within, I mean, gosh, barely even millimeters. That's the tiniest little sliver between your C4 and your C5. And to have it basically, the injury had started at the top of my C5 and then it had come through and down into the middle area between my C5 and C6. And that's when, I started reading up like, oh my gosh, like, wow, that's like, you know, I, I can feel everything still like, yeah, I, I have to wear a neck brace and I have to go through this, but like, I, I can, you know, I can live my life still in, in that way. And that's when, you know, talking to um, my parents and talking to my brother and my friends at the time. And like, you know, everybody I felt like at the beginning was more shell shocked than me, just cause like I was saying, I, I, I didn't understand what was going on. It was really surreal. And, you know, you know, my mom, like, I remember one of the first, first couple of weeks, like when I talked to both my mom and dad, I was like, Hey, like, if you, you know, the decision to play hockey is all yours. It's, you know, like, don't worry about this. Like you get to live your life still. And that's when I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. like, what do you mean? Like, cause I, you know, I guess it just took me a very long time to kind of grasp the whole concept of everything. Well, yeah, serious injury, I think for many people becomes a uh, more difficult topic to grasp onto, especially if you've never really had a serious injury in the previously, mm -hmm. I think it, I think it becomes a very um, difficult thing to wrap our minds around 
because if you've always been healthy or if you've been injured and you're able to bounce back quickly, um, then, you know, without something lingering, um, to have something that basically shuts you down complete uh, in order for the body to restore itself, I think can be a very, not only um, trying physically, but also mentally and emotionally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without a doubt, it was, um, you know, the mental side is, is what ended up taking a drastic toll um, over time. And um, my personality has always been a very positive happy-go-lucky kind of guy and um and at the time you know I I did everything I could to try to continue to be that way and and I think I you know I I know actually I know I did a good job of making it appear that way to everyone um but internally I definitely had a lot of struggle that um that I never really wanted anyone to know and I didn't want to show it kind of thing and um going through that and trying to continually be positive and uh, continually have a smile on my face no matter what was was difficult uh, without a doubt but you know I I definitely made it seem like it was all okay uh, even though yeah mentally and internally it, it definitely wasn't okay so now we've we've gone through the injury we're, we're at a point now where the body's trying to heal itself so paint us a picture of what the road to recovery looked like yeah so it was um you know, over time, it's uh, about, it would have been about three weeks after the injury was the first time uh, I had spoken with uh, our, you know, with our team staff and our team doctors and everyone that uh, informed me that we were going to go see uh, an orthopedic surgeon. And uh, we went down to a, to an orthopedic surgery clinic in Michigan, uh, down in Grand Rapids. And the clinic, actually, the the doctor that I began speaking with, uh, he had actually helped work on the same neck surgery with Peyton Manning, who had actually a, a very, very similar surgery. Um, and, you know, went on to the point where he not only did he recover, but he went on to, to go win a Super Bowl with the uh, Broncos after that. And immediately upon talking to him the first time, and, you know, they had seen the severity of the injury, but for doctors like that, it's, it's nothing that they haven't seen before. So immediately getting a chance to talk to him and, you know, kind of getting an understanding of, Hey, like, you know, this is what we can do. Um, you know, you don't have to give up your dream of continuing to play hockey. We can work to, um, to fix this. And over time, if everything heals the way we hope it will, um, we can, you know, we can continue to get you back onto the path of, of living your dream. And, um, that's was a, kind of the first time where I kind of felt that positivity in, in three weeks after I had gotten hurt to kind of hear any, anything little. And, and at that time I still was, um, I still felt very shell shocked to the point where I didn't know if I wanted to play or not because it had kind of hit me so hard. It was more just like, okay, well let's get the surgery to, to heal this at least. And then we can kind of go from there. Um, so when I was informed of that, that would have been, yeah, three weeks after I gotten hurt. Uh, the issue was that uh, I still had very drastic swelling in my neck. Um, it was actually so bad, even on the MRI, that the original one, uh, they couldn't even see the imaging and they had to do a second one to go deeper in. So they basically informed me that it would have to be at least another month or so before I was going to be able to go into surgery. Uh, I had to routinely go back and do MRIs to see the swelling. Um, and so in that time frame, basically I had from, I'd gotten injured November 1st and I had surgery. I had the procedure done January 2nd of, it would have been 2014. Um, so at that time I, you know, in those two months, I, I did a lot of relaxing. I did a lot of watching the guys play. Um, I actually ended up getting to the point where about two weeks before my surgery, I was actually able to ride the exercise bike, um, do some, no, no weights or anything like that, but little slight movements were okay because the body was slowly naturally healing itself. Uh, but to have that opportunity to ever live a normal life and play a sport, let alone ride a bicycle, anything like that was that I was going to need the surgery. So I did get the operation done. Uh, like I said, January 2nd, <clears throat> excuse me. And when I did so, they uh, put a plate and two screws. And what they do is they, uh, to do the spinal fusion, they take a cadaver bone 
and they place it between the C5 and C6 as a fusion. Um, so what it does is the plate uh, and the two screws will stay actually in my neck forever, uh, but the cadaver bone fuses itself naturally to the C5 and C6 to take that fracture. So now the way my neck works is that my C5 and C6 is actually one long vertebrae and then my C7, 8 and such continue down as sing, uh, singular ones. So upon doing so, basically the surgery, uh, you know, not only does it fix it, but it actually strengthens my neck. So my neck, like those vertebrae are now stronger than any other of the ones in my body. And after I had the surgery, uh, I was in the hospital for another two days, um, just kind of doing a little bit of recovery. What they do is they I don't want to be too graphic, but they, uh, they go through the front and then they kind of push everything to the side uh, within your voice box, everything like that. And then they do the operation, they close it back up. So after, for the first day, I could barely talk whatsoever. Uh, I couldn't eat anything, um, barely could not really drink anything. Um, any food that they try to feed me, it had to be jello or something putting something very, very simple and liquidy. Um, but it, so I did that. And then um, once I was able to return back to Big Rapids, fortunately, my, uh, my mother had actually flown out to, to be there with me for the surgery and to help out for that first week. And uh, once I got back to Ferris, um, that was kind of the point where it was like, okay, time to, you know, time to recover. And, and I'd set out the goal to, for me, at least the goal was just, you know, to be able to skate again. I want to show myself I can do it and find that determination to, you know, get back on the ice and whether it was going to be playing hockey or not, I didn't know still um, mentally, but I knew that I wanted to get back on the ice and, and push as hard as I could to get to my point where I knew I could at least do that. And so over the next, uh, would have been over the next basically three months uh, was a lot of uh, physical therapy, um, a lot of treatment, a lot of, um, I mean, a lot of everything. It started with extremely minimal movements, like, okay, we're going to take the neck brace off today and you're going to move, you know, a quarter of an inch to the left. Okay. You're gonna move a quarter inch to the right. So I kind of had to re teach myself how to move my head. Um, and it's, it's funny. You never really, I took, I guess I took my neck for granted. I never really realized how much you use it uh, until um, until I went through the whole injury with that. And, and I remember it would have been uh, right around, I think it was about February 11th or 12th. It would have been about six weeks uh, post-surgery. Uh, I finally got to take my neck brace off, uh, which ended up being a total of about three and a half, close to four months of continuously wearing a neck brace, 24-7, uh, sleeping, everything. The only time I ever could take it off was when I showered. But when I did shower, I had to basically make sure to, well, basically don't move. <laughs> uh, don't move your head. Try right. not to move your neck. Still, be very yeah. minimal. Yeah. Be very, very minimal with it. So you don't aggravate anything whatsoever. Uh, so I still remember that day I got that off the relief to not have to wear it was, oh gosh, it was, it was, I was just so happy to finally, you know, not have to wear it. And that was the first step. Um, and from there it was, you know, continual rehab still, um, you know, at rehab, it was very, very lightweight stuff, uh, riding the bike, everything like that. Uh, and eventually I did reach my goal. Um, I would have got to skate. It was, uh, I believe it was the third week of March. So it would have been, uh, about close to six months, uh, or I'm sorry, close to five months after I'd gotten injured that I was able to lace up the skates for the first time again and just kind of, just by myself, just kind of go around in a few minutes and it just, I'll never forget that moment because I, I truly felt like I had reached the first of my goals and and that, uh, that I had done it kind of thing. And, you know, I, I definitely felt a sense of pride and a sense of accomplishment there. Um, but from there, that's when, I kind of, I made the decision that I did want to do everything I could to try and play again. And, um, you know, the next five, six months again, after that were extremely grueling because I, I had lost majority of my muscle mass. Um, 
everything, conditioning, uh, muscle, even my mental side of things. I had to work on everything to, to get back to a point where I felt like I could play hockey. And um, that whole summer working with uh, Dave Sensor, who was the strength and conditioning coach at Ferris, um, I stayed there the whole summer and we worked every single day uh, to try to get me to that point where I could play. And um, I finally ended up getting cleared uh, for uh, contact for to be able to actually play the normal game of hockey as opposed to just skate around by myself. Uh, it would have been right around uh, the end of September. So about 10 and a half, close to 11 months um, or actually right around 11 months uh, after I had sustained my injury, I was finally cleared and I was, uh, I was cleared to play in our, uh, in our first game of the season that following year. And, uh, and I'll, that's, yeah, it's a day I'll never forget. Yeah. I remember um, you coming back for that. I'm um, being a season ticket holder at, uh, at Ferris. My wife and I have been mm -hmm. season ticket holders for 10 years now. I think. Okay. And, uh, um, you know, I remember you coming back and, and the reception you got from the, the crowd was awesome. It was a sold out night. Mm -hmm. I remember that. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, so that was really cool from, from a fan's perspective, uh, for myself to be able to watch you, you know, from, and having some loose association with you. Uh, and, you know, mm -hmm. I, I ran into you once or twice, uh, while mm -hmm. you were injured yeah. and, and chatted with you for a couple moments. And, and, uh, but I, I think from a fan's perspective, to be able to see you come back from that, you know, it, it's a cool thing, but I don't also don't think that the fans really understand what a player has to do in order to get themselves back into hockey condition, because there are muscle groups that are used by hockey that aren't used by other sports. Um, and mm -hmm. there's conditioning and strength and, you know, uh, that you have to do, um, to get yourself back in so you know thinking about that that had to be um a pretty challenging portion of your of your recovery was just being able to get yourself back into hockey condition i would assume yeah yeah without a doubt it was like you know like i was saying it was it was a lot of work with dave sensor and uh, and a couple of the other guys that had stayed there for the summer uh to train and uh, it started out slow um, and it's frustrating, you know, being around your teammates who are working so hard every day and, you know, putting up good weight in the weight room and being able to skate around on the ice and ripping around. Whereas I'm like, Oh, I'm so far behind now, but um, through, through Dermot uh, determination and through continuous support from the guys and uh, from Dave and from everyone else, you know, all, all my friends and family, I, I wanted to do it for everyone. Um, you know, it, it became a thing where it wasn't just for me. It was uh it was, I wanted to do it for everyone that had supported me and helped me out through, uh, through my process of my injury. And it was kind of one of those things where I was like, this, this was for everyone. And, um, and yeah, you know, getting, getting my body back to that point took a lot of work, a lot of hours, uh, in the weight room and rehab, uh, in treatment with Tim Glover, um, and everything, uh, to, to get to that point, uh, of playing that first game again. And, uh, and, I'll, and I'll never forget it. Uh, you know, like you said, it was a sold out crowd. Uh, we were playing against the University of Michigan uh, and it was at at our rink. And it was it was the loudest I've ever seen or one of the loudest times I've ever seen uh, ever seen the rink there. And, um, I, and I was so, so nervous. Like it was because, you know, the last time that I had really last time I had been in a game, I'd been taken off by a stretcher. And and I, you know, it was a miracle that I, I didn't lose feeling in half of my body um so that was it was it was extremely nerve-wracking but uh and we won uh and i'll never ever forget uh forget that day i bet so let's let's talk about the emotional mental side of things for just a moment um going through this you you kind of highlighted some of your your feelings moving through but on the road to recovery there there's lots of different little hurdles and challenges that that people have to go through mm -hmm. what was something that helped you to continue to move and continue to focus on forward? What was, what was something that helped you mentally, emotionally, you know, mm -hmm. was, you know, was it spiritually, whatever it was, what was that one thing that you say that you can look at and you say, this is what helped me? Yeah. I, you know, I tried to take a lot of uh, a determination and, and find, uh, you know, find comfort in other people's stories. Um, and I, you know, I've listened to a few of the ones on, even on your podcast and these people, I find 
a lot of the individuals who go through traumatic things find confidence and and uh, and understanding through other people's stories. And you know, I actually part of mine was was doing that. Um, you know, whether it was through friends of mine that had been through injuries and um, you know fighting their ways back from that, or from family members. You know, my my father had uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma uh, when I was uh, gosh when I was seven years old. Uh, and he battled his way through that and he continues to live a great life and, you know, going through stories like that and having the support system. Uh, like I said, you know, it was, it was, it was a thing where mentally I, I wanted to do it for everyone, not just for myself. Um, and obviously, you know, it was a big thing for me, but at the same time it was mentally, it was like, I wanted to, I wanted to do it for everyone uh, that had supported me, that had helped me you know, the littlest things. I mean, at the beginning, I couldn't even get out of bed. So people, my roommates were bringing me meals. Um, guys would just come and sit in the room with me in my bedroom and watch TV with me for a bit, just because I, I couldn't leave. I was lonely. Like I had so many people just kind of supporting me. And, uh, and another one, you know, like I was saying, taking it from other people's stories, there's a, I saw it originally on ESPN on a, on an E60. Um, it was a hockey player named Travis Roy. And, and his story is one now more than ever that, uh, that resonates with me so very much. Um, but he, so his story was that, uh, he was a freshman at Boston university in the eighties and his first ever college game, his dream was to play college hockey. Oh, I remember and this. Yeah. So I remember seeing it a couple of years before I had gotten injured. And I remembered after I was injured that I, I went back and watched it again and, it was his first ever game or second ever, or maybe it was his first ever home game. And uh, his first ever shift, uh, he went down, uh, tried to hit a guy, and he kind of awkwardly slipped, and he went into the boards. And, uh, and immediately, uh, as he was laying on the ice, and I remember his dad had come onto the ice to see if he was okay as well, along with the medical staff, and, and he knew immediately he had zero feeling in his body. Uh, and he had told his dad, you know, like this, this is it, uh, hockey wise, like it's over. Like I, I made my dream and hearing his story of how, you know, he had the exact same injury as me, uh, but it was a C4, C5. Uh, he was paralyzed from the neck down. Uh, and, you know, hearing his whole story of how he had reached his dream and, um, and how it was cut short. And, uh, you know, he's gone on to do absolutely incredible things in life with his foundation, um, helping people who go through the same kind of injuries and uh, through sports that aren't able to recover uh, with medical bills and helping them with funding, creating camps for them. Um, like he's done so many truly incredible things, That's uh, awesome. but that was a story. Yeah. That was a story that I remember the first time that I watched it after I had gotten injured. I just, I, I sat there. I remember I watched it in my bedroom by myself and I just bawled my eyes out. Um, because it was, it was like, wow, like that, that, you know, you, you get those thoughts where it's like, that could have been me, but like, that should have been me. Like, why, right, why was yeah. it not me? And, um, and seeing that story and, you know, seeing all the amazing things he's done while even, you know, going through something negative like that, it, it pushed me to want to even do it more because I got that second opportunity. Um, and actually crazy, completely crazy, but I actually, got to meet him. Uh, it would have been last summer, two summers ago, actually, I met him. Um, I was in Boston with, uh, with my now fiance. Um, and we were walking through a shopping mall and I, I saw a gentleman in a wheelchair and he, he was, um, you know, he had the, the power wheelchair, the electric wheelchair, and he was rolling by. And I kind of like was looking, I'm like, I know that guy. Like, how, how do I know this guy? And I, I, it clicked on me and, you know, we were just walking through the mall and I immediately, I was like, I was like, I gotta, I gotta go say hi. Like, I was like, I, I need to say something like, so I ran back and I, I stopped him and I just kind of said hi to him just for a minute. And I just kind of thanked him for being such an inspiration. I didn't really tell him my whole story, but I just wanted to at least, you know, thank him. And that was the last time I can ever remember being as nervous as I ever was. I was shaking, my palms were sweating. I, for me, it was like I was starstruck, but that was, you know, an incredible inspiration and someone that, uh, that I took a lot from. And, 
Um, and I definitely recommend for anyone who hasn't seen that video, it's, uh, his name is Travis Roy. I think if you just search like Travis Roy E60 on YouTube, uh, you should be able to find it. So I think it's about a 10 minute video, but yeah, uh, it's a, it's a very, uh, inspiring video that, uh, that truly helped me a lot. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's cool that you had an opportunity to meet him. What a, what a chance meeting, right? That's uh yeah, guy couldn't believe it. I mean, it was just, you know, I knew he lived in Boston, uh, but just, yeah, rolling. Right. That big of know, a city. Tracking literally somebody we were walking down. through a mall. Yeah. yeah. Just literally the most random meeting, but it was, um, it was one of those full circle moments for me where, um, we're finally getting to meet him while I was back in playing hockey again. It was, uh, I was, I was starstruck and it was, uh, it was an incredible moment for me. Awesome. So yeah, we're, we've gotten to a point now where you're recovered, you're, you're playing hockey again. Tell people uh, a little bit about your life post Ferris state. So they understand where you're at, where you're doing now and how you're, how you're, uh, how you're feeling with things. Yeah. It, um, so after I graduated from fair state, uh, Actually, so originally what happened was from the year I had, I was injured. Uh, I was granted a medical red shirt by the NCAA, uh, which allowed me an extra year of eligibility. So when I, at the time when I had gotten hurt, it was my junior year. Uh, so I was able to come back the following year, complete uh, a second junior year. And I was actually also able to complete my degree in that fourth year. And I came back again for, uh, for the fifth year to play, um, to play uh, my super quote unquote super senior season um, and finish out uh, and earn another minor and uh, certificate in my time at Ferris. And after doing so, um, I, I guess I reached, uh, reached my dream of signing professionally. And um, my first season professionally, I played uh, with the Toledo walleye, which is uh, the ECHL team, the tier two uh, minor league team of the Detroit Red Wings. Um, and I, I was very fortunate to have a, an extremely successful season. Um, I, uh, I broke a franchise record finishing uh, with a record of plus 40, which is um, for every time you're on the ice for a even strength goal, you get a plus. Uh, if you're on for an even strength goal against, you get a minus. Um, so I actually broke the record for plus 40 and I broke uh, the rookie record scoring uh, 55 points in 70 games, um, which was uh, you know, more than I, the whole season, everything was more than I could have ever done in my wildest dreams. Um, and the following year, I guess I was, I was rewarded with an opportunity. I was invited to the Detroit Red Wings main camp and um, going through the process of being in Traverse city with the team and then heading to Detroit uh, and being with the team for about three weeks overall. And um, it was, you know, an incredible learning experience and, very humbling but also to be around you know all those NHL stars and you know sitting having lunch with players like Henrik Zetterberg and Trevor Daly and you know Mike Green was my D partner for one of the games it was just it was one of, it was a whirlwind experience but it was uh, it was something that I was very proud of and something I truly felt like I earned after everything uh, and so my second season professionally I had an opportunity while playing in Toledo to, um, to get called up to the American Hockey League, uh, which is the step below the NHL, uh, to the Hartford Wolfpack, which is um, the minor league team for the New York Rangers. Uh, spent about a month there. Uh, it was, a, once again, a, a great opportunity and um, something I was very proud of and uh, I truly enjoyed. Um, and after finishing out uh, the playoffs and whatnot back in Toledo, uh, I decided to go overseas uh, with my hockey experience. So for me, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I'm, uh, I'm half Japanese, half Canadian. So when I was born, my mother uh, and father, sorry, my mother and father, my parents got uh, my Japanese passport. Uh, so I carry both, which allowed me an opportunity to play in this league here in Asia, actually. So I decided to go and I earned a contract in South Korea. Um, so I played uh, the previous season in South Korea. And then after that season was over uh, within the same league, uh, I decided to kind of follow my roots and I signed it with a team here in Japan and uh, the Tohoku Freeblades is our team name. And uh, I had signed a three-year contract and uh, I'm now in the second year of my three years. And uh, 
my fiance and I, we actually just got back to Japan about two weeks ago. So I'm actually doing this call uh, from Hachinohe, Japan. And uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm in the second, uh, second of my three year deal. And, uh, you know, I, I had an opportunity I, that um, one that I'm extremely proud of, which was a dream come true for me is I'm, uh, I'm actually now part of the Japanese national team, the Japanese national men's ice hockey team. Uh, so I'll be playing well, obviously, hopefully with COVID, it all happens, but I'll be, uh, I'll be able to participate next summer in the world championships uh, with Team Japan. And um, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's opened opportunities and doors that, uh, that I never thought it would. Uh, That's an amazing it's, uh, privilege. It's been an incredible journey. It really is. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's a big pride thing uh, for my family and I. And I've always been extremely proud of my Japanese heritage. And uh, my brother and I spent years as kids um, living in Tokyo in the summers when we were off school um, and everything like that. So we've always, and uh, my mom's entire family lives out here still. Uh, so getting to spend more time with my uh, extended family on my mother's side out here has been an absolute blessing. And um, to, you know, to be able to wear that sweater and, and be a part of the national team of Team Japan, it definitely, I know it brings a lot of pride to my family and, uh, and it's something I'm extremely proud of. As well, you should be. That's that's an awesome privilege. So excellent. So things are are definitely looking up for you there, um, mm-hmm. and and things have gone well for you. So uh, that, and that's always good news to hear that there's not only just a full recovery, but that there's you know, it's nice to see how life progresses after a point mm-hmm. of recovery. So, yeah, it was it was definitely a lot. It was um, yeah, it was you know it went from the points of of questioning whether I wanted to play again because it was you know it was the only thing I ever knew and to be able to make that decision. And obviously it's worked out uh, better than I could have ever imagined with, with my wildest dreams. And it's, you know, I'm very fortunate to, to have that, but you know, I guess the injury also taught me that at the end of the day, that hockey is not everything, you know, you, you have a life as well. And, uh, and it's something that, uh, that I'm very grateful. Excellent. So one of the questions I like to ask every one of my, my uh, guests is, is looking back over your, your entire experience and not to break it down to one sentence or one thing, but what was your, your one shining star, your one piece of information that, that you learned that was your takeaway from this whole injury and recovery scenario? Yeah, it, it was that, uh, for me, it was that, you know, that not to fixate on one thing in your life. Um, so for, I know for a lot of people, whether that's, that's work, um, or whatever the case for me, it was that, you know, hockey was the only thing I ever knew. And, and this injury kind of took me to a place where like hockey's not everything, you know, whether at the time I couldn't ever imagine giving up the sport. Uh, but as I've progressed through life and through, through the injury, the recovery, and as I've, as I've gone on with my life, like I, I know I'm going to be okay when hockey's over. Uh, and now it's, it's more every single day that I get to play the game. Is, I'm just lucky uh, because it could have easily been taken away from me, but to have that opportunity to keep going and, now it's, you know, it's whenever I do decide to retire uh, from the game of hockey and stop playing, I'm, I'm going to be okay with it kind of thing. Um, so for me, it was, it was that and, and understanding uh, my mental health. Um, since then, I've learned and I've been a big advocate of mental health. And, um, and I've kind of always been that individual to, to speak and to help others and by listening to to one another about their problems but I've kind of never been the one to accept and speak out about my own issues and um, and I think uh, throughout the injury and it's taken me a lot of years for sure Um, but I know for a fact it it does stem from my original experience uh, of the injury and and the recovery and everything but to to know that uh, you don't have to be that positive individual every day I know I was, I was just listening to, like I was saying to one of your old podcasts with Joshua and uh, it's knowing that, like you guys were saying, it's knowing that everyone's going to have bad days, but knowing that the next day when you wake up, whether it's raining or the sun's shining, it's a new day and it's a new opportunity to move forward. And and that's something I've definitely learned um, that, you know, it's not always going to be positive life. Life isn't always going to be great, but it's just a little bump in the road in the big picture. And, that to keep on going and um, then, you know, things are going to start on a new day and things are always going to look up in the end. 
Well, yeah. And now this kind of leads us right into one of the things that you're, one of the projects you're working with um, and dealing with the, that side of the, the mental health and, and looking at things positively. Do you want to talk about that for a moment? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. I've, uh, so I've been part of a group now that's, uh, the group actually itself is just a little over a year, or actually right around a year old. Um, and I've been a part of it since the beginning. It's, uh, so it's called Guy Talk. Uh, Guy Talk Co. is the official name. But uh, with Guy Talk, it's a, it's a platform that's been created by individuals who are at their lowest points and, uh, and want to create a difference. And, you know, the stigma amongst men is always, you know, you have to be macho. You always got to be a tough guy kind of thing. It's like, no, we don't, men don't have mental health issues. It's just you know, you keep on going with your day. You, all right. Uh, I'm having a bad day. Okay. I'm just going to go to the gym and work out and it'll, I'll be fine. Or, okay. I'm just going to go play video games, have a beer, whatever the case. Um, but it's a platform that's, that's a, an open, basically an open message board to communicate with different men all across the United States. And now, um, obviously with me being across the world now, there's actually a couple of us, uh, in Asia as well. Um, and it's a platform that's, that's been created. Now there's a, a 125 members um, where, you know, we have conversations, whether it's about mental health, um, you know, there's many people, members who talk about struggles they have while they're raising their children. Um, people talk about struggles they have with their wives or with their in-laws. Um, you know, it's, it's a platform where guys can just be themselves in a ego-free zone, a judgment-free zone. And, you know, it's an opportunity to just talk and it's uh I've had a tremendous experience with it so far. Um, and it's really allowed me to open up and, and talk about the way I feel and, you know, express my issues and my struggles as well. And, and never feel like you're being judged or kind of looked down on or perceived a different way than the person that you are, because it's just a lot of guys who are, are there, right. Who also have that same issue and that are going through life. And, you know, it's, it really is to me, it's a brotherhood. It's a, it's a family environment. Um, you know, we do all sorts of different things from Monday, you try to write down, you know, a couple things that you want to do this week, you know, whether it's, all right, this week, I want to eat healthy. Um, I want to work out three times at least. Um, guys do that. On Friday, we celebrate Friday wins. Guys can kind of go on there and humble brag about positive things they did in the week, uh, whatever they may be. Um, you know, and on top of that, it's, it's a platform where there's individuals of, I mean, gosh, I think our youngest, the youngest member on the guy talk, I believe is 21 or 20. And I want to say the oldest member is about 62. So it's, there's, I mean, there's zero judgment whatsoever from anyone. There's individuals, it's, it's started out of Austin, Texas. Um, but there's individuals literally of the 125 all over from California to Boston, to Florida, to Washington literally all around the coast. And now there's myself in Japan, another member in uh, South Korea. And, you know, it's just been, uh, it's something for the men out there that are ever curious, uh, want to learn more about it. Uh, you can visit the guy talk uh, page on Instagram or uh, the website is guytalk.co. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a platform that's been uh, uh, that's leaps and bounds beyond what I ever expected out of it. Um, and being a part of, the original kind of group that joined. Um, I've, I've had a big impact on the, I guess the, not so much the business side, but the background of it, of helping it grow and uh, continuing to make this the best platform that we can have for individuals. And, you know, just in the last couple of weeks, we've uh, increased uh, or we've, you know, started new things. We've began workshops. So there's monthly workshops. The first one was with a uh, uh, mental health uh, expert, a therapist, he came on and talked for an hour, basically with whoever the members wanted to come listen. Um, the guy talk where, you know, with COVID, it's kind of been halted a little bit, but the, the guys are doing guy talk retreats back in the States. So, um, you know, they're doing monthly workouts online, uh, everything like that. So it's just been an incredible platform. Uh, that's really opened my eyes even more to mental health. And I feel like it's helped a lot of guys. So if there's anyone interested, I truly uh, recommend checking it out. Oh, it sounds fantastic. And I'll be checking it out myself and I'll make sure that when we post your episode, that there'll be a link uh, to guy talk posted in the, uh, the show notes there for, for everyone else to take a look at. Um, but I think that's a, uh, an amazing opportunity. So thank you for sharing that. 
Yeah, thank you for letting me. And then also, um, one more question for you tonight before we before we let you go. And I say tonight because it's it's morning here in the, in the United States. It's evening in Japan where he's at. So one more for the night before we let him go. Um, what's your one piece of parting advice that you would give to anybody listening, based on your experience and what you've what you've learned? Ooh, uh, I'm gonna have to go with uh, never. Hmm never take life too seriously. Um, you know, that's, that's one thing I learned. You never want to miss, uh, miss the opportunities for, for life. Um, you know, whether it's work or, you know, your career, your family, of course, always does come first in the end, but, um, you know, whether it's whatever the case, there's always a reason to have an excuse, but I feel like to go out and, and go for it always is the right move in the end because, whether you succeed or not, you can always say you did it. Um, and to just, uh, continuously live life with a positive approach. Um, there's been a lot of negativity in the, uh, the world, the United States, uh, Canada, I mean, everywhere, you know, everywhere has had a lot of negativity with COVID. Um, you know, there's, uh, I mean, gosh, there's everything right now, I guess there's a lot of the, the lives, uh, black lives movement, um, the election, everything like that, just kind of, you know, take time for yourself and, and put a positive spin on things. And, you know, COVID's not going to end the world. The world is going to continue. It's going to, you know, sooner or later, we're going to get back to that normal life and, you know, just put a smile on your face, spread the love to individuals, wherever you are, reach out to an old friend, whatever the case, just, you know, that's, I guess for me, it's kind of all over the place, but it's, it all kind of resorts back to having that positive mentality and, and just kind of living life to the fullest and having a smile on your face while you do it. Excellent. Well, I think that's, that's great advice. Um, it's one of the things I live by. You can't take life too seriously. It's going to kill you in the end anyway. So <laughs> very true. <laughs> well, Simone, thank you so much for being a guest uh, today. We really appreciate your insights and thank you so much for sharing your story. Absolutely. Tim, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And, uh, and I look forward to listening to future episodes. All right. Excellent. All right, guys. Well, that's going to conclude us today. Thank you for listening to Focused on Forward. Bye-bye. Well, that concludes another episode of Focused on Forward. To be a guest of Focused on Forward, you can reach us through Twitter at podcastfof, through our Facebook page named Focused on Forward, or through email focusedonforward at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing each and every one of your stories that has yet to be told. So until then, be safe, be kind, and be loving to one another as you stay focused on forward.